Hello, my name is Alice and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Vet Nurse Diary. Today I'll be discussing chemotherapy treatment for a dog with lymphoma and the animal welfare implications, anaesthetic monitoring for a splenectomy and liver lobectomy, and dealing with self-doubt in the workplace. So currently I'm really interested in oncology in veterinary medicine, uh, which is uh, cancer treatment and the science behind it, uh, because the welfare implications, uh, obviously animals don't opt in for chemotherapy or uh, cancer treatment because they don't know what's going on. So we do need to take, take into consideration the welfare implications and whether or not that individual animal is able to uh, go through the treatment. So any abnormal uh, uncontrolled growth we classify as neoplasia or a tumour and it is when the cells grow faster than the normal cells around them pretty much. It happens in dogs and cats or can happen in all animals but dogs and cats are usually between 8 and 10 years of age but can happen much earlier. Uh, some breeds are more susceptible, for instance, boxers uh, do get mast cell tumours more often and flat-coated retrievers uh, sarcomas. So we've actually seen both at work in the last six months while I've been at the referral hospital. Um, so yes, I do see that there are breeds uh, that are more susceptible to certain types of cancers. Uh, it... There's a lot that can uh, happen when the animal gets cancer. There uh, can be pain associated with the cancer and loss of function of limbs or organs. Uh, energy uh, decrease, depression, um, which can all result in clinical signs that we pick up, not just noticing that there's a, a lump or a bump on the dog or cat. And we name the uh, cancers from the tissue origin um, and it can happen with any body tissue. Uh, so we mainly um, ID or determine what type of cancer it is by taking samples, either with fine needle aspirates, so using a needle and a syringe, taking a sample and um, aspirating it, so uh, putting air to it onto a slide, um, or biopsies as well, which we do a lot of them at work um, daily we would be taking FNAs and biopsies and that's to send off for, for histopath which is just um, analysis under a microscope in a lab so it's externally sent so it does often take up to a week to get results back for some of these uh, cancers <clears throat> so they can be benign or malignant uh, so my sort of general understanding is that if it's benign it <laughs> ends in OMA so um, lipoma, which is just the fatty adipose tissue one, so that's not as bad and can possibly be uh, left or have to be monitored or surgically removed. And they can also be, uh, we can get malignant cancers as well, which um, are the nasty ones that we would probably all know from, from human medicine as well. Um, yes. So the benign ones, um, they can be discrete and encapsulated uh, really mobile um, so they can often like uh, vets can determine them from but the malignant ones you do need to 
uh, identified before treatment is started, usually. Um, the malignant ones can metastasize as well when they spread to other organs and tissues throughout the body, which is when it becomes quite um, life-threatening. So the dog that we had in this week, he has been a continuous patient. I think he started um, a couple of months ago for his treatment because uh, he's got uh, lymphoma. So he is a rotty um, and he's a lovely, lovely dog. And every time he comes in, he he's really happy about it and he's happy to be at the vets. Um, so he's, a, he's one of the cases at the moment that, is dealing quite well with his chemotherapy. Uh, he, it is, um, it can prolong their life up to two years with 20 to 25% of cases um, that go through chemotherapy. Uh, if they get to remission, it they can last 10, 10 to 12 months. And that might not sound long to a lot of people, um, but if a dog's lifespan is, is 11 years, like another year is is pretty good um compared to humans if you're if you're told to you'll only last a year obviously that would be horrific um with animal with animals it's that is a good outcome being able to last another year but it is it is really tricky and with my own you know animals I it would be a very very tough decision I think dogs do cope generally better from just what I've seen I can just go off from what I've seen in the last six months. Cats are a lot trickier sometimes because they are they disguise a lot of their pain and a lot of their behaviour. Um, so it is tough to see if they're if they're comfortable. And sometimes cats do become more inappetent, I think, as well, just from seeing. Um, and I've seen a cat recently that has um, harmed itself by by chewing at its tail so that one is a he's a lovely lovely cat but he's just sort of coming to I think they're slowly coming to the decision of um ceasing his treatment unfortunately because he's a lovely cat but he um yeah some of the medications they go into as well he's on metazapine which is an appetite stimulant that he's just ravenous all the time for food so he's another he's a tricky cat to um be nursing for at the moment but this dog that we had in this week he has been wonderful um we do in-house bloods when they come in uh we run hematology to check their blood count to make sure they're not anemic because uh, that can be a side effect of the chemotherapy as well so this dog he's on the chop protocols which is usually an 18 week ish protocol that involves um administering four types of drugs uh, uh each week or so over a rolling schedule, so cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, vincristine, and prednisolone. Again, as I'm a nurse, um, this is just the protocols that we go off. I can't make, um, I can't comment on the um, doses or which drugs to use with which patients or anything like that, but this is just one of the cases we have at the moment that I'm commenting on. But yeah, so this week um, he was having cyclophosphamide, which is, it, he always has it when I'm with that vet because um, it's an oral tablet so some of the other drugs are IV administered and you have to fully gown up you have because it is a chemotherapy drug that we handle so you fully gown up on all your chemo gear gloves two-layered masks um, thickened gloves uh, all, you know your arms your whole body is covered 
and goggles and we have to make sure we do it in a certain room um, with certain equipment and dispose dispose of it correctly as well. So it's a huge task but and and the IV ones usually take a little bit longer as well and you have to place an IV catheter from one stick as we would say one go uh, to make sure it doesn't go under his skin because it can uh, uh, cause damage to the skin in the area as well. But he was on cyclophosphamide for, for me this week, which is just a tablet. So we need to just take his bloods, pop him in a cage while we run those bloods and make sure he's comfortable. And he has to eat when having this medication. And funny enough, uh, he's been usually really, really good at eating um, with this medication. I've done it a couple of times now. But he wouldn't eat um, for us. He was being really picky. I probably offered him up to eight different types of food over... Uh, an hour and a half, you know, going back and forth, giving him some time, and then in different rooms um, with different people outside in the front, like in the reception area, and yeah, he just wouldn't eat for me, so we had to um, hide the tablets and the food, uh, and then try and you know disguise it a little bit more. So yeah, so we actually ended up having to tablet him. The main reason that we put the chemotherapy food uh, tablet in the food is to make sure he doesn't crunch them because it is a chemo drug and it can cause um, cell damage in that area, I think, as well, like actual damage to the surrounding area and you don't want it to go everywhere. Um, so we need to make sure it's, he swallows it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we did end up having to tablet him, which is a bit tricky with a big big rot, rot wheeler um but he was lovely about it so that was that was fine but yeah it is difficult with some of those chemotherapy animals and I think I would have to think hard about whether or not to do it for my own animals um but I'm surprisingly more impressed than I thought I would that some animals do um very well on the drug and they're not phased by the medication at all because I must note that the difference with when giving it to animals compared to humans that humans actually have multiple drugs all at once, um, higher doses and more frequently than compared to animals when we give it to the dogs and the cats. So it's not the side effects aren't as uh, harsh uh, as human uh, chemotherapy. So I must add that in as well. So, yes, but we usually have a lot of chemotherapy um, patients um, at work. We probably at least have one or two a week that we are treating with the medical vets. The next case I'll discuss came in through the medical department where the dog had 24 hours of lethargy. It was an older dog. Um, they ran uh, full in-house bloods. They did an ultrasound and a follow-up CT because they did see um, a mass, a splenic mass, um, and possibly kidney changes and liver changes as well. The owners did opt to do surgery the next day. It wasn't deemed an emergency that night or that day because it had normal, um, well, relatively normal blood values. It wasn't anemic, and the dog was actually really bright, really strong, very, very active. So... I was the nurse who was in charge of the anaesthetic for the the next day with one of the surgeons. 
where we removed uh, the spleen and uh, did a, a liver lobectomy, so moved part of the liver because uh, that did look like it had uh, what we called METs. So when um, there's possibly a tumour, it can spread and metastasize, so come up with other little tumours throughout the body. The CT was done also to check the lungs because that's where sometimes where the METs show up as well. And it it can possibly change whether or not we do go to surgery. So it is important to do a full CT of these cases <clears throat> because it ha if it has metastasized, if it has spread throughout the body, it is possibly uh, not always a good option to go to surgery for the, pay for the case. And usually the owner's discretion whether or not they would like to continue on or do, for instance, palliative care at home. Um, but because the dog was, was doing well, it was bright, it had um, relatively good vital signs, the owners opted for surgery. So last week I mentioned that the RCVS, in their guidelines, which the RCVS is the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeon, Surgeons, uh, so it's the board that we swear an oath to in the UK to say that we will uphold certain uh, values and make sure we don't do anything dangerous, we, we swear an oath to them, um, which is really important for uh, the vet nurse industry, I think, because it makes us more of a profession, the same as human nurses. In Australia, we, we don't have to necessarily be registered to uh, call ourselves a vet, vet nurse, which when I do go back to Australia, I'll obviously be becoming fully re registered as I think it's more professional and having a body that is there to encourage education and you know, support networks and for mental health and all that thing, all those things. Like having a body um, to register with has a lot of benefits. So it is important for that. But it's it's annoying that I discovered this thing in the RVCS in the guidelines. Um, it's under like point eighteen point six or something, describing how our role with anaesthesia, so monitoring anaesthetics, is to act as the surgeon's hands and they had an example that all we do is move dials under the surgeon's guidance which is just like not what my job is at all for instance when the patient is under an anesthetic well to explain so anesthesia is pretty much the, the state of immo to mobilize the patient um, that and it also induces amnesia so memory loss we want those two things, obviously. We want the patient to be still so we can perform the surgery, but also we, the patient desires the amnesia effect as well, um, which is the same with human medicine. Um, so I have full control of the anaesthetic. I'm the one who will... So I'll discuss the drugs with the vet. We usually have protocols in place at your workplace to give a certain pre-medication, <coughs> which is a drug that usually has the uh, a sedative and a type of analgesia. Uh, the sedative and the analgesia usually work together and having a mixture of drugs can usually reduce the amount of drugs we need to use, um, which reduces the side effects such as making them have a lower heart rate or respiratory uh, depression. So I'm the one who gets the drugs I'm the one who gives the drugs. I'm the one who monitors the patient before, during and after. I'm the one 
that, well, I usually set up theatre, but we have uh, assistants who set up the theatre for us. I'm the one who checks the theatre. I'm the one responsible if the theatre isn't correctly done, if we don't have the right, correct equipment. So I have a lot of responsibility of checking those things and making sure they are done. And it's just a little bit of a kick in the gut to say that we are just the the hands of the surgeons. It's just, it was was so annoying seeing that and, and then basing my whole role of anaesthetic nursing on just being the hands um we are far more than that and often the vets don't have a lot of training in anesthesia (coughs) in their degree I've seen some vet students we always have vet students who come to workplace who don't have a lot of they they understand obviously that when you inhale the agent it acts on the lungs and da 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 how it works but to actually pick up on the signs when patients are too light or too deep in anesthesia on the anesthetic plane, um, it fully like it's all our knowledge. It's all the nurse. It's one hundred percent the nurse. And yes, yeah, so if I have a low blood pressure, I will tell the vet, the surgeon to say, "I'm lowering the the inhalant agent. I am giving a bolus of five mil per kilo of fifteen minutes. I'm." doing this, I'm making sure the patient is warm, I'm checking pulses, I'm checking this. There's so much that goes in behind my job. And the difficult thing as well, in the public perception of our role as a nurse, they see me come out, collect their dog, act all happy and act all fluffy and, oh, yes, I hope you have a lovely day, and then I take their dog in and then I come usually back out with their dog and, like, nothing has happened other than we fixed the dog or we've removed this or... They don't understand that we as nurses are the ones who are doing the physical side of things. Yes, obviously we have them for their knowledge and their brilliance and they are brilliant, but the nurse's role is often forgotten, just sometimes. Um, Yeah. So this one was a tricky case because I the anaesthetics went all right. They... The anaesthetic period was about two and a half hours. The surgical time, so from the incision being made into the abdomen to then the last stitch, stitching up the abdomen, was an hour and 20 minutes, so very quick for the surgeon to do the remove the spleen and the part of the liver and to look at the other organs. The kidney looked a little bit funny as well, but... I won't discuss the actual findings of the case because it is still ongoing and we are we have sent those uh, bits of organs away to uh, have them looked at the vets to try at the vet have them looked at the lab to determine what type of uh, tumor they were I think hemangiosarcoma is the most common um, and so that'll be interesting to see next week what the results come back. So unfortunately with this case, he did deteriorate the next day. The vets think it could have been from an inflammatory response from the, the tumour, uh, which will be just really interesting to see. Um, so, yeah, he deteriorated throughout Friday. It's really sad because when I'm the anaesthetic nurse in referral, I do my bit. I go in, I do the anaesthetics, I recover the patient, and then I hand over to the night team or the 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 twilight team who hands over to the night team, who then the next day hands over to the inpatient nurse, who I was last week. And then um, I don't usually get to see, you know, I don't do much with the patient. 
because I was with a different vet that day or the next day. So it's sort of weird to not be fully involved with the patients. I really miss that and not to, you know, follow them through, I think, is difficult in referral, especially when they aren't going so well. Not that I don't think I could have assisted in any way more than the team the nurses that were involved with him on the Friday, I don't think I could do anything more. Definitely not um, have to have changed the outcome. But, yeah, unfortunately he did deteriorate so much so that he was put to sleep on Friday evening. And I do feel very sorry for the owners. Um, obviously because their 11-plus-year-old dog wasn't going home with them that day. Um and they knew the risks associated. It's always tricky with um, any surgeries and there are huge risks. We always go over those risks and the vets had those discussions and they kept up to date with the vets throughout, oh, with the vets, with the, with the owners throughout Friday. Um, but he just deteriorated so much. So he, he did um, become quite tachycardic and had issues with his ECG trace. Uh, so... It's a tricky one because you do work so hard to get them through the anaesthetic and, you know, get everything smoothly set up, all their medications. And sometimes it just doesn't doesn't work out for, for unknown reasons. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to have a discussion about that case this coming week. So, yeah, this week we'll go over the case just to clear the air. Um, it was a difficult one for the entire team because he was a lovely dog and we did think he the surgery had gone well um, and his recovery his vitals his um, you know the basic vitals we do overnight uh, temperatures heart rate uh, blood pressures respiratory rate effort pain scoring and all that was going well overnight <clears throat> um, so yeah so I think we'll just discuss that just to clear the air to learn from it and uh, it's just really good in terms of being able to discuss it and then move on as well instead of having it looming over us, what else could we have done? Especially as the anaesthetic nurse, you always think, oh, is there something that I missed? I don't think, I honestly don't think there was anything that I, I missed at all um, throughout surgery. I think it was a really unlucky one and that he did have a lot more going on um, than we knew, I think, as well. So, yeah, sometimes they when they have uh, tumours, they the tumours can cause other signs of illness as well. So paraneoplastic diseases, he he might have had something else going on, especially, especially if we think he had an inflammatory response. Um, we Yeah, so I think it would just be good to discuss that, to clear the air um, and to move on and hopefully learn something from it as well, I suppose. So I had a little bit of self-doubt throughout that day. Um, unfortunately, I'm doing, I, I agreed to doing a in-house sort of work presentation. <clears throat> that's a pre-recorded one. That's the only reason I agreed to pre-recording to doing it. Um, and I just, I don't know, I've done the slides. I've done all the talk. I know what I'm saying. I, but I just, just had so much self-doubt about when I went to sit down to record it. My laptop was also being absolute terror and was really slow it's, it's like a nine-year-old laptop so it's probably fair enough to be a bit slow but it wouldn't allow me to record the actual powerpoint 
So I'm going to have to do it at work this coming week. And it's just sometimes knowing doing those things at work, you always get called away to do other stuff or you feel bad for going and doing your personal presentation and not helping out the rest of the team. And yeah, so I, I just got so annoyed on that morning and then went into work and saw the, the patient wasn't doing well <clears throat> and that um, there was discussions with the owners about putting him to sleep. And I just thought, ugh, it was just one of those days that I was like, you just feel that you're just no good pretty much, that you just, I've never felt, you know, I've doubted myself before a little bit because I am still learning and I know I'm still learning because I had a sort of backward start in vet nursing um, by sort of going straight into emergency quite quickly, only after like nine months of nursing and I was still getting qualified. Um, so I did have to learn more practical stuff first than the um, systems and, you know, uh, terminology so I do know that I'm still learning and I'm usually not that harsh on it on myself about it but Friday I was just like <clears throat> I just needed to <laughs> just just to help some patients and just get through the day and just be really kind to myself and not have so much pressure on myself always knowing the answers but yeah so my talk is about the nurse's role in emergency that I'm I'm really passionate about <clears throat> making sure that nurses are confident, which I wasn't feeling that day, um, confident in the workplace and making sure they're reassured that there are um, practical steps involved in an emergency and it, you can think about it in a real practical sense, <clears throat> especially especially because nurses are the one who often go out and get the patients from the owners in an emergency. I thought I would uh, discuss that. I've sort of based it on just cardiopulmonary cardiopulmonary arrest uh, emergencies so um, it's called CPA it's pretty much um, when they've stopped breathing and stopped their heart rate so it's the worst emergencies we can deal with and there's only about a six they say there's a six percent um, survival rate for them to be discharged so I just talk about the I've sort of based it on the doctor's A, B, C, D, E, which is I, I first originally learned that from being a swimming instructor and um, lifeguard, which I was from like the age of 15 to 23 throughout high school and university uh, in the summer holidays. So, and we would, that was drilled into us, the acronym of doctor's A, B, C, D, E. So I think maybe I'll talk about that. I might even put the pre-recording up on um, Spotify because uh, it is all going to be pre-recorded so I've got to get that done this week which I just got to make sure I do it uh, after work maybe at the end of the day not first thing in the morning when I'm feeling a little bit fragile <laughs> so yeah so big week this week coming up with that presentation being due and then it will be um, advertised the following week I think so and my colleague is doing the nurse's role in emergency ophthalmic conditions um so eye related nursing which she is really really passionate about and she's done further research on that as well so that'll be really interesting and I think I'm more nervous myself because she's really good at public speaking and singing and all sorts so she will be fine but I've just got to get myself together to record it this week
real mixture this week. Um, some ups and downs, definitely, which just shows the practicalities of what it is like to work as a vet nurse. You're not going to win every single day, and we are there for also the sad times as well. So I think I really miss, again, looking after the patients from start to finish and the actual uh, inpatient nursing. So I think I'm going to have to do, give a point to general practice. Well, this coming week I'm with a mixture of vets, so I can't really summarise what's coming up. I actually didn't even check what, what surgeries or inpatients we're looking at this coming week, so it will be a surprise, which is sometimes really good just to clock off and not have to think about the upcoming week except for this presentation I have to do. So that'll be interesting. I'm also going to look into a little bit of the imposter syndrome because I think I had that a little bit this week at work and just trying to sort out my mentality of how to continue on when you feel like you just can't do it. Thanks and have a safe week.